feel that. Feel what, Mr. Lee? The way the shit clings to the air, Randy. Shit clings to the air? It's already started, my dear good friend. What started, Mr. Lee? The shit blizzard. We had a pretty large bang associated with the caution um, and warning now. Okay, we have an apparent serious oxygen leak. Welcome to Failure to Launch, the space history podcast where we take you through every mistake, failure, and explosion that made modern space exploration possible. We are your hosts, Quinn, Chris, and a sonar contact that matches Chris. I know previously, like a lot of the episodes we've done, um, we've covered a lot of different space failures so far. Like we've had failed space programs, we've talked about scams and disasters, and considering how a few of our episodes have even delved into like some darker topics, especially where it involves uh, people or test animals being killed, I thought it would be a fun idea to kind of take a break from that, take a step back from disasters, and talk about something from like the fun side of space, you know, a bit of a palate cleanser. I'm processing my reaction to calling this episode a palate cleanser. So what do you guys know about <laughs> space toilets? There's a hose sometimes. You don't have the advantage of gravity. <laughs> no, you do not. It might suck a little. So, so you know, actually unrelated to this, I actually just saw this in a Discord today. To, you know that image, that video of like the banana and the vacuum hose? Uh, yeah, that, that just... is... <laughs> Welcome to the space toilets. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, made me, it made me think of this, that... Um, for, for a reason that you guys and you listener uh, will learn about soon, because space toilets are like getting away from like the obvious jokes, the, you know, fart jokes, poop jokes, whatever. Um, dealing with waste in space for a spacecraft, for an astronaut, for a station, like whatever, is actually a huge problem. And as we'll hear today, the history is so much fun. Um, I think I told you guys before, whenever I was researching this, I thought it was just going to be, you know, all like fun little stories, uh, fart joke, whatever. But getting into it, it is so much fun. The fucking insane. <laughs> uh, it's going to be great. And it, like, I love I love any of those topics um, that cover like things that you wouldn't necessarily think of, things that you uh, that you take for granted or or just things that are too messy to get talked about often. Like that's the side of space exploration I love. You know, I, I love the rocket side. I love the engineering side. I'm an engineer, but um, just the just the living in space, the dealing with space um, is often so interesting and like criminally untalked about. Everyone forgets how much of a blessing gravity can be. Everybody forgets the yeah, there are no statues for the men and women who spent oh billions of dollars, millions and billions of dollars and years of their lives creating the space toilets that astronauts have to suffer with today. 
the original piss boys and gals. And like, it's an actual field. Hundreds of people around the world make their lives, their livings doing this because it is it is at the end of the day critical. Like missions don't last a day or two like they used to. People are up there for hundreds of days easily. Jesus Christ. <laughs> like you need a way to deal with it. For this episode, I'll be using the books How Do You Go to the Bathroom in Space by astronaut William Pogue and Packing for Mars by Mary Roach, as well as the wonderful website ToiletGuru.com. Uh, as always, <laughs> all links will be in the show notes or the description if you're on YouTube. Gloves and bags. So the earliest space missions actually didn't have much of a plan for dealing with waste. Uh, this is partially because they were all under massive rushes to launch, but also just because early missions were pretty short. For example, the longest Mercury mission, Mercury Atlas 9, lasted only a little over 30 hours. To quote a NASA report on waste management, no attempt was made to make provisions for the collection of feces. Astronauts were ordered to just hold it in. Just imagine the first thing you do after touching down is you're just absolutely busting for a shit. <laughs> yeah, well, and... And that's that's bad enough for 30 hours. The Soviets, like in the grand scheme of space missions, theirs were also pretty short. But uh, Valery Baikovsky, his mission lasted five days and he also <laughs> was just ordered to hold it in the whole time. <laughs> and like he was eating this, early space food and which is like disastrous. It was not good for your digestion. I was about to boast about my, uh, as you are both likely well aware of at this point, ability to not have to uh excrete waste for several days but yes i know it's you tell us every other day it's it's a wonderful it's no, a wonderful miracle of nature it is a miracle of nature and it is exhausting to to be this you abnormal. just blast out a bowling pin once a week and you're done uh, i don't know i don't know how to explain it to you but but then you hit me then you hit me with five days Okay. If someone punches you in the gut near the end of this period, well, you just automatically shit your pants. I think it's more that person <laughs> will break every bone in their hand <laughs> if they strike it. It's just, it's just like it's you're being held at gunpoint. Like somewhere in my gut is a bulletproof shield, and if you hit it, I'll be perfectly <laughs> fine. Just shoot you in the face. What the fuck? Oh, we're cursed. Let us go. Now, both sides did give their astronauts urine collection kits. Uh, but these were basically just plastic bags with a condom stuck to the open end. They were also universally hated by astronauts who avoided using them completely if their mission was short enough. I want to say that the reason they put a condom at the end of it is because astronauts being former uh, fighter pilots. Oh, they, that's something that they'd understand. That's, they don't they know how to do that. They're, hold or, hold or that not, thought. Or not. But. I was going to say, hold up for the famous incel astronaut. Yeah, so so them them not using these collection kits was actually kind of easy because back then astronauts also hated space food and space drinks. So they didn't eat or drink through most of their missions, which meant they didn't have anything. They didn't have any waste to excrete into the other uh, into the urine bags, which they also hated. Back up. If you're up there for days at a time, you have to be going fucking nuts, dehydrated, no food. And a bit of a sidetrack here, like. Astronauts can hold like you can avoid shitting. You can avoid defecating like mechanically, medically speaking in space. However, they quickly figured out that an astronaut cannot avoid urination like they need to do it on a regular basis and they need to do it even when they don't feel like going. So the reason this is, is that like the human the human waste disposal system has evolved very well to like leverage gravity 
So the way the bladder works is it has like along the underside of it, it has stretch receptors. And as the bladder fills up with urine, it stretches out and sends increasingly uh, urgent signals to your brain saying that you need to go. Here's the problem. Because they're only along the bottom and because they rely on gravity, they don't work in space. In space, surface tension means that instead of pooling at the bottom, urine coats the entirety of the bladder evenly. So by the time that an astronaut, like by the time it starts to stretch out and an astronaut feels like they need to go, the bladder is already so full that it is actually like squeezing the urethra shut and they need to get emergency surgery. Huh. Yeah. So, so basically, if you are an astronaut and you feel like you need to go, it is already too late and you need to call 911 immediately. So one reason the astronauts hated the bags was because of how hard it was to use them in the incredibly cramped capsules. Another was that they would sometimes burst, like what happened to Frank Borman during Gemini 7. Quoting oh. from the mission transcript, Borman, if you happen to see Dr. Lachance, would you tell him I'd like to see him when I get back? Mission control? Roger, you have a subject? Yeah, one of my urine sample bags just came apart in my hand. Just... Came to pieces? After filling it. Before or after? After. Gemini 7, Houston. The flight surgeon's message is, sorry about that, chief. In the transcript later with, with the flight surgeon, Borman explained that most of it wound up on his face and in his hair. Lachance probably caught the hands as soon as this piss-soaked astronaut. <laughs> yeah. as, as soon, soon as, as this piss-soaked astronaut hit the ground. Yes. Just <laughs> where's the doctor? Now, by the time the Gemini program rolled around, they'd figured out how to dump the urine into space, but this was just a way of freeing up, like, room inside the capsule. Astronauts still had to actually use the condom bags. Also, as a side note, uh, the urine dumping was not a precise technology when it was first started, and it had a few bugs. For example, during Gemini 7, the mission we just quoted from, both astronauts noticed that every time they dumped urine, the spacecraft's windows would collect a few flecks of yellow ice. Because Gemini 7 lasted for two weeks, this quickly became a visibility problem as their windows were crusted over with frozen urine. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> we have Piss Comet. Yes, and we will we will talk about this. Like I will dedicate an episode to Gemini 7 because it was so what Gemini 7 was was it was an Apollo simulator mission. It was meant to test like how like how like the life support during exactly. Back. But, <laughs> but the Gemini capsule is smaller. Like if you sit in your car, you have more room just in that front seat than the Gemini astronauts did in their seat. Like they could not get out of their seats and they were stuck there for 14 days. They were not able to wash. Are, are you saying that they were like they were Tetris together? Uh, they were side by side. But yeah, like they, they, they had, a little, they had a little divider between them. Dude, it rules. They even got into fights and like there was a brief period where they did the like they did this like back and forth uh, quiet game between them. <laughs> Using mission control like, theme between. Yeah. And very quickly into the flight, like the, the there's there's piss floating through the air. The windows <laughs> are covered in piss. Everything smells like B.O. and shit constantly. <laughs> Everything you are, is piss. You are in... Planet piss. <laughs> you are, yeah, like, you cannot see out the window. You can't even see space, the wonders of space, because it's all tinted yellow. Are you telling me that we are actually doing the rest and piss meme, but in real <laughs> life? They are sleeping. There's piss in the capsule. Someone has piss long. 
Yeah, there might be an in, there might be inhalation. Also, that will not be the last time we talk about inhaling bodily fluids, bodily excreta. I remembered. I, it, it's that it's that 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 video clip of Chris Hadfield demonstrating water physics from his tears in space. Surface tension. Hell yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll also out, talk about shout that. Shout out to a, a glorious Chris. A oh, victory yeah. for all of Chris kind. Um, but we I'm thinking about that space and it, it's just these three guys just having to piss, right? Like <laughs> the surface tension of their piss just forming like a globule of piss just floating around the capsule. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> At least it wasn't we, we will get to that. We you will wanna... get to that. Trust me, we will get to that. This is Listen. something that does come up in history. Now, you might be thinking that a two-week mission is too long for a crew to go without defecating. And you'd be right. By the time of Gemini 7, NASA had realized that they couldn't just expect crews to hold it, and they had to start working on ways to actually deal with space feces. And you're going to love this. Their first attempt was the defecation glove. This was a clear plastic glove, and the way it worked was the astronaut would put on the glove, hold their hand behind them, and crap into their palm. Uh, and then when they're done, they would... They would fold the glove inside out and tie it off. So it's like picking up after a dog, like with a dog bag, except you're your own dog. Imagine being this national hero. And it sounds know, like something I need at home. And <laughs> this is the future. And uh, honestly, like a tech company would make this any of this stuff today and just go like, it'll help. Like, this is the new way of the future. I'm reinventing toilets. No, just imagine you are this astronaut. You are the top of your profession, the envy of all. That suddenly you're in orbit, <laughs> shit into your hand. Yeah, exactly. And as you can imagine, like with the urine bags, astronauts were not too keen on this. From Packing for Mars, quote, Frank went, I think, nine days without having to go to the bathroom, says Lovell in his NASA oral history transcript, at which point Borman announced, Jim, this is it. And Lovell, repri <laughs> and Lovell replied, Frank, you only have five more days to left to go here. <laughs> and yeah, and, and this is still Gemini 7. This is still the mission from hell. <laughs> Bor Frank Borman goes nine days without taking a crap. You want to talk about he, a new Just because he hates, no. the, he, he hates the food and he hates the, the defecation gloves so much. He holds it in for nine days? Yeah, and I just love that. <laughs> it's, he, just, it's happening. Yeah, he just looks at Jim Lovell and just like, Jim... This is it. This is the moment. For nine days, I can't hold it in for a number ten. <laughs> yes. I'm so sorry. So what we have for day ten is we are hotboxing a about to eject his entire colon into oh, the yes. So back up. So providing this event. Oh yeah, and this stinks up the capsule. Oh no, so now we are hotboxing an entire space capsule with a piss cloud and shit <laughs> yes. And assumingly oh. some fragments. Ne and neither of me these men have washed. From Jim, with love. <laughs> I hope Dr. Lachance uh, had we, a good we will, fucking We will talk about plan. the space cleanliness, but actually what they noticed was as long as the astronauts kept their helmets on, it was actually better, even if they were like locked in with their BO, because... If they took the helmets off, it created an airway where the, the smell would come up through their spacesuits and be forced out at the like the ring around their neck. Uh, and the astronauts would like as soon as they took their helmets off, they would basically get this like blast of B.O. air in their face and into the capsule. I'm telling you, let's chance. It's fun. He had to have had the shit beaten out of him. 
you can only blame Lachance for so much. You can only blame the fact that Frank Borman had uh, piss covering his face and hair uh, Listen, <laughs> and floating besides, through the capsule. Besides the piss boys, there's the man who decided that, hey, I'm going to have a fragmentable piss bag. Enjoy. Now, don't worry, guys, because remember, Gemini 7 was meant to be a dress rehearsal for later, later Apollo missions. Uh, it was meant to test all of this equipment so they could take the feedback and actually fix the problems. And at the top of their list was replacing the hated defecation glove. And somehow it got worse. Yeah, they, they managed to come up with something worse. The fecal bag. I don't like the sound of that. So like what this was, um, like, listener, I want you to imagine an airline vomit bag. Now imagine that it's got a sort of oval shaped rim at the opening. The now rim? imagine that the rim is covered in super glue. <laughs> that is the fecal bag. Tell me, so, tell me that they didn't suggest that these men shave first before trying to use I the hope, bag. I hope they did. So the way that this worked was that the astronaut would position the bag behind them and the glue would hold it in place while they defecated. And that's, you know, that sounds simple enough in principle. The first problem was that the bag wasn't custom fitted to any of the crew. It was molded to fit like the cheeks of the average astronaut ass. The generic bot. And what this meant is that it never fit anyone and would always leave small gaps for the smell to get out. Uh, it also ripped up hairs constantly. Even after they were done, astronauts would have to slowly peel the bag off like they were taking off a Band-Aid. Just rip it, get that free wax in. Oh. Now, if the glue on the rim sounds unnecessary and that an astronaut could just hold the bag in place with their hands, it's actually because the glue was there to free up the astronaut hands for other parts of the fecal bag operation. See, because in zero-G you don't have gravity to quickly pull a turd away from your body, and this is what NASA calls separation, and that is actually the term, uh, <laughs> the, bag came the bag came with a little inset plastic pocket that they called the finger cot. Uh, the astronaut would have to put their fingers in this little pocket and physically guide the turd out and to the bottom of the bag. It's just, you have to like... Yeah, they, you know... They could workshop avoiding having to... Like, like we'll talk about later, like there's actually, it does, it does not just come out like perfectly straight. Like you can... I, they were all test pilots, so I wonder if they had like the pilot lingo, you know, oh, you're dealing with some severe adverse yaw, pitches <laughs> all off. <laughs> yeah. And they, so I, I don't know if the picture there shows it. Oh, no, the picture does show it. He has uh, two fingers in the bag for guiding the turd through. And shrink. <laughs> I hate it. And listener, if you thought that the work was done once the turd was out and the bag was closed, you'd be wrong. From Packing for Mars, quote, before he could roll up and seal the bag to trap the offending monster, the crew member was further burdened with tearing open a small packet of germicide and squeezing the contents into the bag and manually kneading the germicide <laughs> through the feces. Failure to do so would allow fecal bacteria to do their bacterial thing, digesting the waste and expelling the gas that inside your gut would normally just be your own gas. Uh, since a sealed plastic bag cannot fart, it would, without the germicide, eventually burst. No! Um, <laughs> Here's astronaut Jim Lovell, who also, by the way, was the guy from Gemini 7. The test of a good friend was to hand the bag to your crewmate and have him get that germicide completely mushed in with the fecal material. I'd go, here, Frank, I'm busy. <laughs> I Man, love Gemini is, 7. This mission is from hell. Like, okay, here, I need you to need the spooky dookie while I do something else. I just love that line. Just like, here, Frank, I'm busy. <laughs> 
You mind you mind kneading my my shit for me? <laughs> this thing is still body temperature. Oh god, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> it is very warm. Oh. Now, overall, the fecal bag did not work very well, and it was very difficult to use. So difficult, in fact, that it took an astronaut an average of 45 minutes per bowel movement. <laughs> uh, this was so long that it actually interfered with the strict schedules of the space missions, since you, you can't exactly schedule a bowel movement. Here's an example from the Apollo 15 transcript, when pilot James Irwin was forced to make a very awkward request to Commander Dave Scott. Scott, Al, why don't you and I switch off here when... Uh, I'd like to take a crap if I can work it in, Dave. Okay. Tell me when. <laughs> That's how it worked. It'd just be like, it's it's like raising your hand in the back of a classroom and just going like, I need to go to the bathroom uh, and then leaving for leaving for an hour. Now, with a crew of three in a small capsule and no odor control in the bag or packed in with the cargo, this also meant that the entire spacecraft smelled like poop for most of the mission and like all the way to the moon, all the way back. Some crews, especially on shorter flights, hated this thing so much they demanded special medication that would let them go the whole mission without having to use a bag. Are you saying that they just didn't have to go at all? Yeah, and, and not only, like, they didn't hold it in the way Frank Borman did, they got special drugs, like, constipants, I don't know if that's a word, things to prevent, medically prevent them from having to take a shit. I just can't imagine that for, like, more than a week. It's just building up in there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah, imagine you might it hurt. tear an O-ring on the way out. Ugh. Now, another problem with the waste bags was the potential for what NASA calls escapees. So I've, I've got here a transcript from the Apollo 10 mission, which was a rehearsal for the later Apollo 11 missions. Astronauts Gene Cernan, John Young, and Tom Stafford orbited the moon and test all, they tested all of the docking equipment between the two spacecraft, but they didn't actually land. And we're going to read it for you. Cernan, you know, once you get out of lunar orbit, you can do a lot of things. You can power down and and what's happening is Stafford. Oh, who did it? Young, who did what? What? Who did it? <laughs> Where did they come from? <laughs> Give me a half good quick. There's a turd floating through the air. I didn't do it. It ain't one of mine. <laughs> I don't think it's one of mine either. Mine was a little more sticky than that. Throw that away. God almighty. And again, eight minutes later, while discussing the timing of a wastewater dump. Young, did they say we could do it anytime? Cernan, they said on 135, they told us that here's another goddamn turd. What's the matter with you guys? Give me a. <laughs> 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 uh. Stafford, it was just floating around. Yes. <laughs> Mine was stickier than that. Mine was too, it hit the bag. <laughs> I don't know whose that is. I, I, I can neither claim it nor disclaim it. <laughs> what the hell is going on here? <laughs> so yeah, just just a wonderful just a wonderful scene. Um <laughs> All I can hear is the what is it? The da 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 The two thousand ones. See, see what I was thinking was like that waltz was like dun 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 It was just a turd slowly spinning through the air. Oh, spectacular. Now, for urine, Apollo astronauts used a similar system to Gemini. They just had a roll-on condom connected to a urine collection device. The Apollo orbiter had a wastewater tank that would collect the urine and, you know, any other fluids and dump them overboard. 
actually like a bit of a detour, but for what it's worth, many astronauts across a whole bunch of missions have talked about how beautiful it is to watch a cloud of fresh of flash frozen urine droplets as they're floating off, like twinkling in the sunlight. Apparently it's <laughs> apparently it's an incredible sight. I, and I, I can totally imagine it. It's like a thousand little diamonds. <laughs> the Apollo lander, however, didn't do this. Instead, astronauts would wear a urine collection device inside their spacesuits, and they would then leave that behind along with like their waste bags and a whole bunch of other equipment when they took off. Like, it, it was just a way of saving weight. Here's the problem. Because astronauts on the moon would be walking, running, and jumping around a lot, the condoms had to be sized to the individual astronaut, otherwise they might slip off. And they're wearing <laughs> spacesuits, so they can't exactly reach down and readjust it. This actually happened during Apollo 16 when Charlie Duke's urine collection device came loose and he had to work with, in his words, a warm stream down the left leg and a boot full of urine. Anyway, the reason that this is a problem is that astronauts back then were all hyper-competitive, egotistical daredevils. So getting them to accurately measure their dicks and pick pro appropriate condoms was basically impossible. It's just that skit from uh, Always Sunny, like the Magnum Dong skit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, you need to remember, this is a bureaucratic body of NASA, so it's guaranteed, okay, step into the booth. No, no, it was not. This was up, this was up to the astronauts. <laughs> so, so they were all just like, I need a garbage bag. No, you can't check. And I can't say for certain, but I think there is definitely a chance that's why Charlie Dukes came loose. The exception to this was Apollo 11. From Packing for Mars, quote, Among the 116 items left on the moon's surface by Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin are four urine collection assemblies, two large and two small. Who wore which remains a matter of conjecture. We can go to the, the moon and find the piss. This is space history. Uh, this is important space history content. You'll be happy to know that nowadays they got around this problem because nowadays there is no small size. Today, astronauts, whenever they pick like for the urine collection device, they get to pick between large, extra large and extra, extra large. Is the spoiler to this that they are all, in fact, just universal size and that the choice is an illusion? It's them doing that like South Park thing where they change the average to make people happier. Like it's still small, medium, large. They just change the names to L, XL and XXL because because astronaut because even today, astronauts are hyper competitive, uh, like morons who will just like, yeah, I need I need the biggest you can give me. Now, bags worked well enough for short duration flights, but like after the moon landings, pretty much every plan, whether they were going to Mars or building space stations, required people who spend a lot of time in space. Um, and this is what spurred the development of the first actual space toilets. Space toilets. Now, while we've mostly talked about the Americans so far, the first space toilets were actually invented by the Soviets for their lunar program, specifically for their, Soy their new Soyuz spacecraft, which like this is the one that's been in use since the 60s. It's still around today. Um, and the space toilets on it have not changed. So the way this works is you have a long tube ending in what I can only describe as a cup and funnel sort of device. Uh, the other end of the tube is connected to an air pump and a storage tank that looks kind of like a propane tank. So to use it, you can see that the cup and funnel device is shaped so that a male astronaut can use both at the same time. For urination, it's pretty simple. The airflow draws the urine from the funnel into the storage tank. For defecation, a cosmonaut would use a plastic bag like the Apollo astronauts, but they'd fit it over the cup and the airflow would like sort of suction it down to match the shape of the cup and the airflow. And then it would also pull the turd down into the into the cup. Th this is pretty simple. This is comparatively simple. Uh, and it also made it a lot easier to use than the Apollo fecal bags. And as a bonus, it didn't take 45 minutes to use either. 
Another pro of the system is that it actually allowed a little bit of privacy. So for those who don't know, and we'll have a diagram on the video, uh, the Soyuz spacecraft is actually broken up into a couple of segments that can separate. You've got this like the bell-shaped re-entry module for when people actually want to like get home. And then above that, you have a big onion-shaped orbital module, which is where like a lot of the, the living in happens. And it's also where the toilet is. So cosmonauts could go to the other room effectively. They could close the door and get some privacy. However, this does not mean that it was perfect. And it actually gets to a problem with a lot of early space waste. As designed, the Soviet toilet was basically impossible for women to use. Now, this might sound like a big problem, but the Soviets had a solution. Sexism. Despite launching the first two women into space, the Soviets would only ever launch two women into space, and neither of them were part of the Soviet lunar program. Uh, Valentina Tereshkova spent three days in orbit in a Vostok spacecraft, but that was relatively short duration, and she did what most cosmonauts did, did back then to deal with waste. She fasted. Svetlana Savitskaya, on the other hand, did not have that luxury. The second woman in space and the first woman to do a spacewalk spent about 20 days combined between two Soyuz missions <laughs> of just having to make do. Now, the Soviets did somewhat sort out the space toilet when they built the Mir space station. So this one is similar to the Soyuz toilet, except it's just the big propane tank and it would hold both the feces and the urine, meaning that a woman could use it, although a Russian woman would never use it. I think a British female astronaut was the first to ever actually use the first woman to use that toilet. Now, I'm sure there are a lot more juicy details from the Soviet space program about their space toilets, but unfortunately, I don't have access to that kind of stuff. It's just not available. And I don't know Russian. <laughs> what I do have is sources on the various American space toilets, and I, I love it. It rules. So the first American attempt to build a real space toilet was on the Skylab station, which was basically America's answer to the or the Soviet Salyut stations. And this isn't this isn't like Mir or the ISS. This isn't a modular station. This is basically like you just take a giant Saturn V fuel tank and you empty it out completely and you just make people live in it. OK. And it was actually a pretty cool idea. It's called a dry workshop. And the reason they decided to make a toilet was actually like more a matter of morale than actual practicality. Uh, like, as far as the engineers were concerned, the fecal bags worked and any complaints could just be sorted out by improving the design of the bag. That way, like, they didn't have to design big, permanent toilet facilities into their stations that made things complicated and ate up weight. But the whole point of a space station like Skylab was that people are meant to actually, like, live there for long amounts of time. And so astronaut comfort was something they uh, they now had to worry about. Basically, like, for the really short duration missions, you can ask someone to put up with horrible conditions for a week or two weeks. Uh, if they're staying up there for months, you kind of have to like actually take care of them. From Packing for Mars, quote, in the aftermath of Apollo, where there were fecal bags rather than toilets, bathroom facilities became a charged topic. When the astronauts came back, they physically and psychologically wanted a sit-down commode. Now, their first attempt was basically the same as the Soyuz toilet. It was a toilet, it was, it's basically a toilet seat that you would then put an Apollo bag underneath and okay. just like, it would just go into that. It, it was basically like one of those survival toilets that's just a seat on top of a bucket. And then they had a they had a separate urine tank just below the toilet seat connected to a funnel. And this got at least got around the problem of positioning. You no longer had to deal with the bag sticking to you. It was also mounted on the wall, like you can see in these pictures. So you have to flip 90 degrees from the floor. Yes. And while zero G normally means that there's no up in space. So the engineers, they just thought like, yeah, you can just put it wherever. But when everything else is oriented one way. 
Exactly. And Skylab was specially designed with a very clear up and down, like it had floors and ceilings. That's how a lot of space stations now are designed to make it less confusing for the astronauts because they want they are used to living in an up and down world and they want to have a station that's like that. So, yeah, like Skylab, uh, they even put metal floors in to sort of split it into a multi-story building. And because of that, the fact that your toilet was suddenly like 90 degrees, all like astronauts didn't have any problems using it. But a lot of them reported basically getting vertigo when they would see someone stuck to the wall taking a shit <laughs> and just like like whatever, whatever sense of up and down they had would suddenly get thrown off. Ah, yes. Taking a shit with vertigo. It's time to add that to Samora. Have you guys ever been to like a kid's museum and they have like a crazy kitchen where like the forced yes. perspective is all messed up? This is like that. Yeah, it's like the crazy toilet. You just go in. There's just a dude on the ceiling. They're just trying to pinch one off and he's having the worst time. Yes. And I know we've talked about some fun stuff so far. Here's where we get to the really fun stuff. Oh. Stuff that I've been I've been aching to tell you guys about. Now, when most people think of a space toilet, I'm willing to bet they think of the shuttle toilet. So like this was America's first attempt to make a real space toilet system, something that could be used by any astronaut and would handle the waste without them having to use a bag. Without having to physically touch it. Exactly. Yeah, like a system that handled it from start to end. You didn't have to, like, be physically involved in at any point. Oh, no. And to properly explain their first try, I'm going to quote from Packing for Mars. Quote, The original shuttle toilet bowl featured a set of 1200 RPM warring blender blades positioned a brief six inches below the sitter's anatomy. The macerator would pulp the feces and tissue, meaning, if all went well, the paper and not the scrotal variety, and fling oh. it to the side of a holding tank. It was kind of plastered there like paper mache, says Rethke. Uh, problems developed when the material in the holding tank was exposed to the cold, dry vacuum of space. So they, they, they freeze-dried it as a way to sterilize it. Now it didn't stick together as well. When the next astronaut switched on the macerator, tiny bits of fecal wasp nests that lined the walls of the tank would break off and get batted around by the blades, <laughs> turning into dust that escaped into the cabin of the spacecraft. No. <laughs> no. So remember how I talked about shit dust floating around? <laughs> Literal shit dust. Yes. It's it's like a microscopic oh. E. coli. You're breathing E. coli. You ever wonder if, if you know, pink eye was bad? How about pink Oh, long? God. Give me a second. Let me get another beer. What the fuck? Here's how bad it got. During shuttle missions in 1984, crews willingly went back to using the Apollo bags because the blender toilet created, quote, clouds of fecal dust. Uh, they also stopped eating so they wouldn't have to use the thing. So we have now have fecal retentionist poop bag astronauts. Now, like the first shuttle toilet was a pretty abject failure and NASA engineers immediately set to work building a replacement. This time, instead of using a blender, the toilet used uh, it used airflow to like whisk free floating turds into a storage tank. I want to be clear, like this is a good idea and it worked much better than the blender blades. And any problems that happened, I believe at least are things that like the engineers could never have predicted at, at all. When gravity is no longer your friend. The first problem, and this is probably my new favorite term, was fecal popcorning. That has gotten worse. What? That is the official. That's the official term. Don't worry. This is I am I am uh, using the official NASA terminology for this. So what happened was that the turds flowed down the pipe to the storage tank, pushed by an airflow. Uh, the storage tank wasn't actually exposed to vacuum, but it wasn't heated, so it got as cold as vacuum. And this would flash freeze the turds as they got into the tank. And because they were frozen, they would now bounce off the walls. 
and the airflow coming out of the pipe into the storage tank is creating a little vortex. So you now have frozen turds caught in a mini tornado bouncing off the walls of the storage tank. Oh, Christ. And and have you guys have you guys ever seen those old like air spin popcorn machines where they <laughs> heat up the popcorn into pops and it, like spins around and gets flung out? Uh, yes, maybe. OK, I think they're like they're pretty. I old. don't I don't like where this is going. Anyway, that is how that's where the term fecal popcorning gets its name. The result of this, this little turd tornado, was that sometimes if like the, you know, the silver bullet, if everything lined up perfectly, a turd could be flung from the storage tank back up the pipe where it would float out of the toilet and into the cabin. (laughs) (laughs) And and they have a solution. The saga of like turd asteroids ever end. But this is like I need to be I want to I have not been fair to a lot of the engineers so far. I want to be fair to these ones. No one could predict that. No one could predict like the 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 uh, chain of events that would lead to the turds being like perfectly thrown back like the sniper shooting through the scope of another sniper like the turd perfectly flowing back up the pipe and popping out. Dropped a turd I, I'm thinking t- of this. I'm thinking of this, but it's like those memes where it's like the <laughs> it's showing the the mechanics of how a gun fires to oh, Freebird yeah. or whatever. <laughs> Freebird playing. <laughs> oh, but it's just that a, animation. It's just, a, it's just a slow motion diagram of like equal <laughs> popcorning in the machine, and it comes flying out. Yeah, yeah. You just pinch one off, and it tries to come home. When astronauts figured out about fecal popcorning, they came up with an ingenious solution. Every space shuttle toilet was fitted with a rear view mirror. <laughs> from packing for Mars, quote, we ask them to take a look back there. And as they shut that slider, Broyan, a NASA engineer, says, in case there's a piece that's on its way up the tube. Fecal popcorning <laughs> is the gateway phenomenon to fecal decapitation. If a crew member closes the sliding gate at the top of the toilet, just as a popcorning piece is crowning, the slider may decapitate it on its way shut. <laughs> this is a heinous scenario for two reasons. Any material smeared on the top side of the slider is now sharing the cabin along with the crew and, quoting Brian, they're going to smell it. Also, the smearage on the underside will freeze dry the slider gate shut. Now the toilet's out of order and everyone has to use the shuttle's contingency fecal waste collection system, the Apollo bag. Fecal, fecal decapitation. (laughs) And this did happen. Like, this is not some hypothetical. There were instances where someone would would shut shut the gate at exactly the wrong time, cut a turd in half, and the f- toilet would be like vacuum frozen shut. Damn, and there's now half a turd floating around. Imagine failing a quick time event that hard. I, I mean, like, and still, I, I, I keep going back and being fair. The last design had like whirring blender blades like inches away from your balls. <laughs> this is, why is this such a hellish design? <laughs> why is it so, why is it so hard <laughs> you better hope you're why is it so dang. difficult to manage human waste in space because I it's like, honest I because like, it is incredibly difficult these are all like further times these are all the best ideas they could just, come up with it's just so hellish what comes out in the end it's just <laughs> this is this is what i talked about at the start listener i thought this was going to be haha funny poop jokes and then it turned out that like a ridiculous a ridi- like Easily one of the biggest engineering issues to tackle in space history is dealing with turds 
and in in a way that like your astronaut will not want to kill themselves with. Yeah, it's the wetware to hardware interface. <laughs> now, these were not the only problems with the shuttle toilet. Because the toilet was tough to use and the opening was only four inches across, astronauts required special training to use it properly and figure out where to position themselves for optimal separation. And this is where I get to introduce the NASA shuttle toilet positional trainer. This was a non-functional mock-up of the real shuttle toilet, so it had like a camera in the toilet bowl facing up. Uh, and oh, the camera just... would feed the camera would feed to a TV monitor in front of the toilet that the astronaut could see and let them get properly lined up with the opening. So it's it's target practice. Are you telling me that you would have to sit there and just line up the crosshair? <laughs> you're just making you're just making like uh, like RCS thruster noises, like you're lining up for docking. <laughs> You've got the actual functional trainer toilet, and then you have the positional toilet, uh, the positional trainer, and its little uh, its guidance monitor. What are the fucking go handles on the side? Okay, so that's actually like that's part of the training because you're not actually sitting on the toilet. There's no gravity to hold you there. Uh, you are just floating vaguely near the toilet. So you need like astronauts hold on to those handles to keep themselves in place. Otherwise, they will like float slightly off the mark. Oh, God. I was going to comment earlier on the picture framed in such a way that it was like a loving decoration. It's just like something something to something to humanize our, our free <laughs> waste disposal machine. Like it, it's just like that vacation picture that you might have sitting on top of your toilet yeah. or something. And you, can, you can also see in the shuttle. um for new astronauts, like because they would go through training and then they wouldn't use it for a while before they launch, astronauts printed out and laminated a handy dandy little uh, guide for new astronauts to use to figure out how to, you know, use their toilet. Imagine not reading the instructions and having a problem. Now, the reason they needed to train astronauts so well on the space toilets is because there was a very real risk that an untrained user would gum up the air nozzles mounted like around the rim of the toilet seat. And if you're wondering how that might work, like mechanically, it's because of something called the orange peel effect, which is, again, the proper terminology. So basically, in zero G, turds tend to curl as they come out like an orange peel. This is a well-documented researched thing. If you're willing to get granular enough with it, you can even identify a person and their diet by the direction and curvature of their turds, like a little fingerprint. <laughs> and the reason we know so much about this is the brave men and women who were filmed taking zero-G shits in the NASA Vomit Comet, the uh, parabolic flight simulator they have. Oh, Which, no. Listener, for those who don't know, parabolic flights, they only give you 20 seconds of zero-G at a time, and then they go into a dive and you get 20 seconds of two G's. So the, these volunteers were asked were asked to take a shit in 20 seconds. And if they couldn't, they would be getting crushed into their toilet seats. Then everything gets forced out at once. I also want to be clear, like this was filmed. NASA still has 16 millimeter films of people in these planes taking zero G shits. And that's how they documented the orange peel effect and figured out like, mathematically how the orange peel effect works and this is all if we go back this is also why the apollo bags like needed that hand there because if you didn't have the hand there to guide the turd it would uh like orange peel out and hit you in the back oh yeah that is the amount of curvature we are talking here <laughs> but the final and truest challenge for nasa and the space toilet and where we're going to end this section was women from packing for mars quote 
The far trickier engineering problems, and thus the bulk of the footage, involved urination. For one thing, liquid tends to adhere to the body in space. Uh, when gravity goes away, says Rethke, a NASA engineer, surface tension is the next physical force. Even on a human hair, surface tension makes liquids cling. Rethke said that people with longer hair can, in zero gravity, hold two to three liters of water in their hair. NASA needed to know the extent to which pubic hair was compromising female, quote, velocity potential. You don't just urinate and get a perfect cylindrical outflow, if you've ever kind of observed what's going on, says Rethke. With gals, there's way more, uh, there's way more in the way of getting a pure stream. I'm sorry. Uh, and a weakened stream tends to break apart and form floating blobs. So this is like, this is partially anatomy and also just partially like the problem, the problem of engineering around this and how to, how to create a space toilet that can be used by anyone. Now, when NASA wanted to test this, uh, they could actually not convince any women to volunteer, mostly because someone at NASA had leaked the previous toilet videos and they were making their way around the NASA offices and even out to the public. Christ. I sake. was I was going to ask you earlier. But they, they, they filmed, they, they they filmed a weird porno. They kept, they, they kept the poop yes. videos. They, they had to document it. That's what we needed to know about <laughs> oh, the orange peel effect. No. <laughs> I'm frankly amazed so, some scientists didn't like put their name on that. Like, you know how when a scientist discovers something, they get to name it. That someone didn't like name the turd coiling effect after themselves. Ah, oh, yes, I'm generating ropes in orbit. How shall I name yeah. this? So, so yeah, they need to they need to test female urination in zero G, but they can't convince any women to volunteer because the weird porno has leaked. But do you think that stopped the men of NASA? Of course not. No, is that even a question? Like true scientists, they came up with a solution. One of them had a very hairy stomach, and they had him sort of push both sides of his stomach t together toward his belly button, so it made a vertical fold. Listener, you can try this at home, but please don't try it in public. No, we're not. I'm doing it right now. So th this guy could, according to the other scientists, get the shape right, and they'd make videos of his stomach being sprayed with simulated urine in zero G, and this was apparently close enough for them. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. Can we go back to the beeping aluminum balls in space, please? <laughs> yeah, somehow, somehow this one wound up being weirder than any of the other topics. It's we've not covered. like it's not weird. It's not or sorry, it's not dark. It's just what the fuck? See, that that is engineering. That is engineering right there. It is, it is smart thinking. You you don't have you don't have the materials you need, so you improvise. You use your fat friend's hairy belly to to simulate. <laughs> like, just I yeah. So what is going to what is the load? Also, master I, love, the... I love the idea of these scientists uh, like being looking at this guy's belly and just going like, yeah, it looks about right. That is but exactly like, how I imagine it to look. Ah uh, yes, the load master in the vomit comet watching a fat man push folds <laughs> together and a friend pissing being on them. Spray, being sprayed with like yellow tang on his chest. <laughs> that man is just That's even more that would be even more of a weird niche porno. Than... No, that man or woman that is the load master is strongly considering fighting their way into the cockpit and just kicking that fucking <laughs> yoke all the way diving. down. Man, I hate this. Oh, uh, it's fun. Don't worry, because that is that is the saga of the development of space toilets. Nowadays, the ISS um, uses a system, basically a system that's very similar to the Mir. Like, honestly, the Soviets got space toilets right with Mir, where it's just it's just a single propane tank, like storage tank. 
and everything goes into it and you just seal it off and you send it home with your with your supply ships. And uh, the ISS currently uses a similar system to that. I believe it's bought by NASA, but made in Ru- I mean, it was made in Russia. Um, although very recently, like a year ago, they launched a new experimental space toilet. Ooh. And that one honestly is kind of like a high tech version of the old Skylab one where they where like a bag is used. You put a bag into the toilet and then the toilet sort of like like compresses, like freeze dries it in place. Which is probably which is better for storage than a full on like storage tank. But yeah, at the at the end of the day, that is the story of space toilets and dealing with waste in space. How do you guys feel? That was that was a a roller coaster of emotions. Hell yeah. A roller coaster of disgust. (laughs) Yeah, just like along the way, we started off with we started off with condom bags and the uh, the defecation, like just the highlights, the con the defecation glove the apollo bag that would rip up your hairs and that you had to get your hand you still had to get your hand involved uh and then you had to mash germicide into it yeah you had to knead the spooky dookie until it became a horrific homogenate and then and then all the way to like the super high-tech space shuttle which would which would uh the first version would grind your balls off and send out sprays of fecal dust like e coli air into the cabin and the second one had the risk of turds being flung out at high speed. And this. Yeah, that sucked. Yeah, I just I never I never realized how much of a horrifying engineering nightmare poop disposal was going to it's, be. It surprised me. I, I was the frankly true, amazed. The true God is gravity, I think. So. So, yeah, that is that is our episode. I hope you guys had fun. I definitely this was a highlight for me. I think I told you guys, but normally whenever I write a script, it takes like this is admittedly a shorter one. Normally, when I write a script, it's it's long. I have to dig through sources. This is one that I plowed through in two days just because I was so excited. Much like the stream, it just kind of flowed. I was so excited to tell you guys and to tell our wonderful, our intellectual, our discerning listeners about space poop. Uh, yes, that it's absolutely horrible. Space kind of sucks just a bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like gravity is a kind friend. I I hate to keep relying on the Mary Roach book, but I do love I do love that book packing for Mars. And I think in that Mary Roach makes a very good point that like astronauts, despite all of the hero worship, are at the end of the day, like they are underpaid, overworked civil servants like the the amount they work and the amount of like quality of life problems they have to deal with is absurd. Uh, And even while it's gotten better, like the modern, like the ISS toilet is not easy or fun to use. There are still so many problems in dealing with just normal everyday things in space, eating, uh, drinking, cleaning yourself. It'll get better, but it is still frankly ridiculous, the amount of stuff they have to deal with. And like so much engineering will need to go into it. I can't get over popcorning. Dude, fecal popcorning, that needs, okay. Just imagine just a blunderbuss of shit. If you had like one of those <laughs> hyper protein shits that turns into little crumbles. Imagine oh, no. dropping a deuce and then the deuce drops you. I Like as bad as fecal popcorning and fecal decapitation is, also if we ever get merch, that needs to be the first t-shirt. It's <laughs> just like a little, wait, no, this, oh, okay, I no, know what I'm no, going like, to, I know what I'm like, going to add. Did you guys, those, did you guys like, ever hear the Trailer Park Boys? There's a Trailer Park Boys thing where uh, Leahy, Talks about like the shit tornado cometh. Oh, we're uh, no, we're not getting into shit. <laughs> you, you have reaped the shit wind. 
Uh, sorry, you Chris, you were going to say I something. Was saying, I was saying like uh, like a death metal band shirt. And so the text <laughs> is in like death metal band scribble fecal font. Popcorning. Fecal mm. Fecal decapitation. <laughs> Do you know what a shit is? And it's, on, on the picture, it has like, you know, like a, 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 an, a an aperture door for the, 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 the no. seal. No. It's just, it's just that meme of Eminem throwing something at you, except it's like a blurred out turd. <laughs> no, uh, like for me, I, I know, I know, like as bad as fecal popcorning and fecal decapitation is, my favorite is still the the whirring blades inches from your balls uh, of the first shuttle one that like if you used like uh, like imagine someone else goes to the toilet before you and you come over and you turn it on, you just hear this like <gasps> sound and just like this a little fairy dust puff of shit dust just flies blast, out at you. Well, just blast the back of your it's like yeah it's it's like those videos of like a mushroom releasing its spores yeah, except, except they're just brown just... and they and they immediately give you e- the just... report that i quote the report that i quoted from they talk about how this isn't like it's not only unsanitary submariners people who like soldiers uh who stay in submarines Whenever this happens to them, they wind up with like horrible E. coli infections like around their mouth. That's where it like because the mouth at the end of the day is like whatever you touch, it is eventually going to navigate its way towards your mouth. Well, you're drawing and expelling air from this point. So it is this cycle. But no, what I was going to say is just imagine if, you, sitting if on- you touch something, if you touch something with your hands, eventually it will touch your food. Eventually it'll touch your face like it, it eventually congregates in the mouth and it no, builds just there in the old. The worst part is the first symptom of this is just the fucking back of your sack just gets blasted in powder. I mean, better that than than, you know, the other alternative, which would be like if you reach a little too low, like the fucking blender of doom. <laughs> Listen, if you're hanging you. that low, God bless you. But and of course, my I, I shouldn't say my favorite. I keep finding things I love the the fucking docking, the the asshole target practice docking camera. Uh, stay, I'll find the picture. Stay on target. Stay on target. <laughs> also, uh, no one, no one knows who. One astronaut did shit in the camera uh, toilet. <laughs> he just got a little too excited. They, they think it was a hit and run. Like it was in the middle of the night. It was a hit and run operation. <laughs> just a quick line up and drop the load and run. But uh, yeah, I, I, I keep saying it. I went into this topic not knowing how fun and serious it would be. Thought it would just be like a neat little like, oh, let's just like get this out of the way quick. <laughs> it's also um, like some astronauts will say that this is like the biggest reason why women were not picked early on. I happen to think that it is a convenient excuse because they could have just like they could have. Yeah, like there is no reason they people will say like, oh, it was too difficult to engineer a toilet that women could use, but then basically no one tried for 30 years. Oh no, it was just the complexity of having to develop a a unisex waste suction device. I hate it, but I love it. It, It's awesome. I love it. It's space. This is space history. Like I I don't, I don't want to say this in like a dumb grandiose way. This is the kind of topic that I, I want to cover in these shows. This is the stuff that like, no one would know about this. NASA does like it's not like NASA's covering it up, but like this is not the glamorous side of space that anyone wants to talk about. We are uh, firmly in the scuff side. That is a shame because this is so much fun and everybody will enjoy learning about it. And if anything, this will make people more sympathetic to astronauts because 
They are like the most high functioning, like best, coolest members of society are dealing with like so much shit. And, and just, until, just, like, the the fact, 70s, just the fact they that they like, had to like to re finger their own poo into a bag. Sorry, just the fact that so many things need to be learned, relearned for space. Like nothing you know on the ground, whether you're the best astronaut or just like some random person off the street, nothing can prepare you for space to the point that astronauts need to be potty trained, like retrained on kindergarten stuff. Nothing can prepare you for space, whether you're an astronaut or a kindergarten kid on the ground, except for a failure to launch podcasts. Yes. Just imagine. Honestly, I think, how I think a ground. kindergartner, I think a kindergartner is more prepared for space, at least like the, the, the waste disposal stuff, because they're already used to using like the little plastic, uh, toilets they're already used to crapping uh, their pants within recent memory you know so yeah exactly <laughs> they they are they are prepared for this in ways that an astronaut will never be thank you for listening to failure to launch if you enjoyed the show please leave us a review or tell a friend everything helps if you want to follow us contact us or suggest a topic you can email us at launchfailurepodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at launch underscore failure. Failure to Launch is hosted on Anchor, and we post on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. We also post our episodes with visual aids on YouTube at Failure to Launch. All music was provided by DJ Danarchy.